Charles Casillo just recently released this month a book about one of Hollywood's greatest icons, Marilyn Monroe. The book is entitled Marilyn Monroe, The Public Private Life of a Public Icon. And in the book, he basically talks about her life, how when you looked on the outside, everything looked great. Uh, she had everything people would want, wealth, power, uh, looks, influence. But internally, she was spiraling out of control. In 1962, she was making a movie entitled Something's Got to Give. And in that film, she was actually fired because she would never show up uh, for, for rehearsal. She would be gone for days on end. Nobody knew where she was. Uh, really, what was happening inside was she was spiraling out of control with drug addiction, uh, severe depression, low self-esteem, insomnia. In fact, uh, Casillo wrote this about her. He said she was on a downward spiral. She was 36 years old, and for her, that was devastating. For someone like Marilyn, whose whole identity and whole persona came from being sensual, the idea of losing that was very frightening to her. He went on to say that many of her troubles stemmed from her need for her father's approval, to know her father. In fact, uh, she was born out of wedlock. She really never knew her biological dad. Her mother was in and out of uh, psychiatric facilities. And so while her mother was in there, Marilyn was kind of passed from one foster care to another. She was abused in those situations. And so her mother would try to encourage her, and she gave her a picture of a handsome man in a fedora hat. And she said, Marilyn, this is your father. And uh, she would hold on to this picture. And, and she thought, you know, this person represented stability and someone who would love her and protect her and maybe rescue her from this terrible life that she was living. As she became an adult, she actually pursued uh, a relationship with this man and made contact with him. But he did not give her the love and support that she longed for. In fact, his only response to her was, you need to talk to my lawyers. And he hung up. Casillo kind of concludes this. He said, quote, I think that Marilyn spent her whole life trying to find a man to be a substitute for her father, someone who would be a savior. You know, all of us long for the approval of our dads, of our biological fathers. And uh, when we don't get it, we ache. Some of you, you've had fathers that were uh, great and encouraged you and, and gave you favor and blessing all along the way, and that's a real uh, gift from God. Others of you never really had that. Your dad never really said that he loved you or was proud of you or that you had what it took to be successful or that he thought you were beautiful or whatever the case is. You never had that. I have dear friends over the years that have never had any blessing from their father and they long for it and they pursue it even as adults. But I think this longing for an earthly father's blessing is a, it comes from this deeper longing for a heavenly father's blessing. That God made us and wired us to receive his blessing and his approval and his acceptance. And many people still ask the question, does God, does God love me? Does God care for me? Will God provide for me? Will he come through for me? Will he accept me the way that I am? Do I have to perform for him? Or do I have to do certain things for him in order to get his love and affection and approval? 
And really what we're going to learn today, we're in this, stu- this study on our identity, idea, identity defined, and we're looking at Ephesians chapter 1, and what we're going to learn today is that you, we have a God who longs to bless his kids. He longs to bless you. And I'm going to, well, let me show this to you. Once you open up your Bible, Ephesians chapter 1, if you didn't bring a Bible, there's one in the rack there. Uh, pull one out. Everybody got an open Bible. I want us to look at just the first couple of verses here. I'm just actually going to mostly land on one verse. Now, don't let, the, let you think that that's going to make for a short sermon, okay? I'm just telling you all at the front end, just one verse, but there's a lot in it. All right, here we go. Um, uh, chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now stop right there. Uh, Just circle the word Paul there. Circle the word Paul. This is a man originally named Saul of Tarsus. He grew up uh, in Tarsus with north of Israel. Uh, a, a brilliant man, brilliant mind, driven personality, grew up in a staunch Jewish family, was really on a fast track because of his intellect uh, to, to really accomplish great things. He studied under Gamaliel, which was one of the premier rabbis at the time, and really achieved very quickly status of rabbi and, and even a Pharisee, which were in really the ruling class. And there he really began very... Uh, open opponent of Christianity. He hated Christians. He saw that Christianity was pulling people away from God. And so he literally held the coats of men who killed Christians. He later on took it on himself to be the one to hunt them down, find them, throw them in prison or kill them himself. And so he was kind of the poster boy for terrorism against Christians uh, until he met Jesus. On the road to Damascus to persecute Christians, he saw a bright light, he fell to the ground, and he heard this booming voice and said, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And he said, who are you? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. He was able to get to his feet, they helped him into the town, and for several days he was blinded, till a man named Ananias came to him, put his hands on Saul's eyes. And he was born again. He gave his life to Christ. Scales fell from his eyes. He was baptized. And he went from being a hater of Christians to a promoter of the Christian faith, from, from being a murderer to a missionary. Later on, Paul, uh, Saul at the time, went uh, to um, Antioch where he co-pastored a church for several years. And it was there that God called him to be a missionary to take the gospel of Jesus to the known world, to the, to the Gentile world. So Saul of Tarsus changed his name, Saul was his Hebrew name, to Paul, which was his Greek name, so that he would have an open door to the Greeks. And so from henceforth, he's known as Paul uh, in the Bible, which actually means little. He was little. It was a humbling name for him. And he saw himself as little compared to all the great things that God had done for him. And he went to a place called Ephesus. So circle the word Ephesus there in verse 1. Ephesus is the letter to which Paul is writing in the church at Ephesus. Ephesus was a thriving metropolis in Asia Minor, ancient Asia Minor, which is modern-day Turkey. Thousands of people would flow into there because it was really a a center and hub for idol worship, particularly Artemis, which was the goddess of fertility. Her temple was one of the seven wonders of the world. And so 
thousands of people would flow in to the temple of Artemis and you can imagine the fertility goddess there was all kinds of sexual activity going on there and, and worship and uh, alcohol and so on and, and it was there in this very very pagan city that here comes Paul to, with his message of Jesus and he began to preach the gospel and people were saved the Spirit of God began to move in this powerful way, so much so that people were leaving their idol worship, leaving their witchcraft, leaving, leaving all those things, and turning to Christ with radical conversions. They would even bring their big books of witchcraft and burn them in bonfires to show that they had turned from their back from those things to follow Jesus Christ and a church was born. And this church began to radiate the gospel throughout the whole region. In fact, this one church began to plant churches all over the known region of Asia Minor. This church at Ephesus was a powerhouse for the gospel. And so it is to this church that Paul writes this letter that we have the book of Ephesians. It really wasn't written as a book. It was written as a letter to these Christians here. Paul and Ephesians were very different in a lot of ways. Paul was Jewish. They grew up pagan. Paul was, uh, Paul was a, a kind of religious. They were somewhat irreligious except for their pagan worship. Uh, Paul grew up kind of trying to do the right thing. They grew up just always doing the wrong thing. Uh, they, they were very different in many ways, different worlds, and yet they both had one thing in common. As they grew up in their own unique cultures, they wanted the blessing of God. Paul tried to get the blessing of God by doing good, by following rituals and, and rules and climbing the ladder of success as a Jew. They tried to find the blessing of God by going to pagan temples and offering pagan worship in order that the gods would bless them and help them and go before them. Both of them were seeking the blessing of God. And so now they've all come to faith in Christ and Paul is reminding them that the blessed life, the best life is found in Christ. In fact, the phrase in Christ, in Christ, in Christ is repeated multiple times in this particular book. In fact, no sooner do we get past Verse two, we're gonna run into a long sentence. If you look in your Bible, verses three, put your finger on verse three and read all the way down to verse 14. At the very bottom, there's a paragraph break probably in your Bible. That whole section is one sentence in the Greek. One sentence, okay, now English majors don't freak out, all right? One sentence. And it's just, he just can't put a period on it. He's got to keep putting a comma because there's so much. It is probably the most theologically dense sentence in the Bible about who you are in Christ. What is your identity as a follower of Jesus? And 11 times in this one sentence, he says, in Christ, in him, in him, in the beloved, in Christ. Our identity is in Christ. By the way, the length of this one uh, verse, one sentence, is about the length of the Gettysburg Address. <laughs> it is a dense passage. And yet, over and over, he's saying your identity is in Christ. Your identity, who you are, is in Christ. Your whole identity now is not what it used to be. It's not what you tried it to be. It, it is in Christ. And so, basically, his he starts off talking about that we are blessed, and we're going to start at verse 3. And I'm only going to speak from this point forward about one verse, verse 3. And his main point is this, if you are in Christ, you are blessed. If you are in Christ, you are blessed. This is a big idea. If you are in Christ, you are blessed. Now, we're going to take a verbal note. You know what that means? That means you're going to repeat a phrase that I say, all right? And it's going to stick in your brain, all right? It's a trick, all right? Here we go. If you are in Christ, you are blessed. I want you to say that out loud. If you are in Christ, you are blessed. One more time. If you, 
Now put the emphasis on are this time. If you are in Christ, you are. Not you hope to be blessed, then one day you might be blessed. No, you are currently, presently blessed by God. You don't have to seek it. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to work for it. You don't have to try to get it. You don't have to beg God for it. You are blessed. Let's look at it. Verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Look at that. Three times. Blessed, blessed, blessing. See? It's all about blessing. And the key point there is in Christ. Circle that. Star it. Put a big box around it. Whatever you need to do. You are blessed in Christ. If you are in Christ, you are are blessed. You say, well, Craig, what does that mean exactly for me? Well, let me give you a couple of things to write down. Here's the first thought to write down. God is a father who loves to bless his children. First thing that we learn from this passage is that God is a father who longs to bless his children. Underline the phrase, who are blessed in Christ. Paul starts talking, talking about um, our blessing, how, how much God has done for us. He's a good father that longs to bless his kids. Now listen to me. Uh, heads up, look right here. God is a father who wants to, loves to, longs to bless you. Now that may, you may find that hard to believe because you grew up with a dad that didn't want to bless you who held back his blessing, held back his favor. If you score more touchdowns, then you will be blessed. If you do better on your report card, then you'll be blessed. If you look a certain way, then you'll be blessed. If you achieve something, you'll be blessed. If you, you know, if you have to work for it and earn it in some way, if you could work hard, then maybe I would give you my approval and my blessing. But that is not what God is like. God is not a father up there with his arms crossed saying, well, you haven't done just quite enough. You're always good, but not good enough. You've got to try harder, and then I'll bless you. That is not what God is like. That image needs to be removed from your thinking because what he said is that God is a father who loves to, longs to, wants to bless you, bless his kids. By the way, this is all through the Bible. Let me just kind of lay some theological foundation here because we need to know what the Bible says. Amen? Okay, that was kind of a low rumble. Amen. We need to know what the Bible says. Amen. That's right. We need to know what it says. Turn to your neighbor and say, we need to know what it says. Tell them. We need to know what it says. This is, this is what we know about God longing to bless. Jot this down. Genesis 1.28. When God created mankind, man and woman, he says he created them in the image of God. He created them man and woman. And it says in verse 28, and he blessed them. They didn't do anything for it. They didn't earn it. They didn't, they didn't have jumped through hoops. He just said, I'm going to make you and I'm just going to bless you right off the bat. You don't have to strive for it, even have to ask for it. I'm just going to give you my blessing. We see the same thing with Abraham in Genesis 12. God calls Abram out of this pagan, pagan place. He is not a godly man. He is a pagan idolater. And God calls him out. And this is what he says. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. And him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. He said, man, Abram, here's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to call you out. And I'm just going to bless you. You didn't do anything to earn it. I'm just going to give it to you because I'm a father that longs to bless you. Same idea he says to Moses. Moses is leading the Israelites up on Mount Sinai. He's going to get the Ten Commandments. He doesn't really know all about who God is really. I mean, he's still learning. And this is what God says to him in Exodus 34. The Lord, the Lord, the God uh, is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He says, Moses, you want to know what I'm like? Man, I'm slow to get angry and I'm, I'm abounding in love and grace and blessing. That's what I'm like. 
Put it another way, God's uh, anger is a, is a long pull, but his, his blessing is a hair trigger, all right? That's what it's like. I'm ready, eager to bless you. My inclination is to bless you. Same thing is found in Jeremiah 9, 24. He said, I am the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, declares the Lord. I, what, what does God delight in? What gets God fired up? What is he like, man, I'm so ready for this. What, what does God move to? He says, I delight in showing mercy and grace and favor and blessing. I just love that. It's like a dad that just, man, is like, He's got something picked out for his kids. Maybe you see guys on Facebook and they bought their kids a car, you know, their first car, right? And uh, so that dad's got, you know, gone, he's been online for months, you know, trying to pick out the right one. And he gets, he gets it all revved up and cleaned up and armor all the tires and wax the outside. He's got it all. And then he, he presents it, you know, maybe some special thing. And, and there's a, there's a big party and a surprise and the, and the kid goes, whoa, you know, and, and the dad is like, yes. I mean, that is the image of your heavenly father that just wants to go over and beyond in blessing his kids. You say, Craig, is that really true? I mean, is that really in the Bible? Oh, well, that's what Jesus said. In Matthew 7, he said, if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So what does that mean? Why, why am I just laying this foundation? Here's what I'm trying to say. God is not stingy. And he is not begrudging in giving his blessing. He's not up there going, well, you know, you're just not quite got it enough. These people here, I'm blessing them because, you know, they really, they earned it. They deserve it. But, you know, I'm not so sure about you. And maybe one day, but maybe not. And we'll have to see. That's not what God is like. That God longs to bless. In fact, he has already blessed you more than we deserve. So is that true? He's already blessed you more than you deserve. God's already given you, hey, hey, if you can put your hand on your heart like, and you can feel something, that's a blessing from God, right? If you can draw in a clean breath of air, that's a blessing from God, isn't it? You woke up and you're clothed in your right mind. Well, some of you got, were clothed in your right mind. That's a blessing from God. Listen, for, for every, every thought, it's a blessing from God. Every good gift is a blessing from God. Every moment that you feel love is a blessing from God. Every sunrise, every gentle breeze, every soaking rain, every embrace, every expression of art or beauty or kindness or goodness, all these things are blessings from God. And Paul starts off, and just look at it again, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ. In other words, he's saying if God has blessed us in Christ, if God's given us all these good things, then what should we do? We need to blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus. We need to bless him. If he's blessed us, we need to bless him back. You go, wait a minute, Craig, we how can we bless God? God's the one that gives us the blessing, not the other way around. No, no, no. The, remember what David said? Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. And then he goes to list all the things that God has done for him. See, to bless God, when we bless God, it just simply means we praise God. We thank God. We're, we're fired up to give God praise. Listen, the whole reason why we have people up here and, and we were just like, yes, God, you were good. You were good. Yes. And we're like, we're, we're worshiping God with all that we are. That is the way it ought to be for every believer. There should be something bubbling up inside of you that wants to bless God and praise God and worship him because of all that he's done for us, right? 
I mean, it, it would be weird and awkward and strange and, and, and twisted up for a believer that has received all the blessing of God to in worship just kind of go, I mean, why would you ever do that? All right, I'm on my soapbox right now. Uh, why would you ever do that? Because look at all that God has done for you. If God has blessed you with everything like that, how much more do we need to bless him back? How much more do we need to worship and say, God, you are good and I don't deserve any of it. And God, what you've given me is more than I ever deserve. God, I bless your name. I praise you. Amen. That's why we worship here, folks. That's why what happens in worship is so important to us. Because it is time for the children of God that have been blessed to bless him back. It's time for those that have received to give back our praise to him who is worthy of it. Amen. Wow. I tell you what, I get fired up just thinking about that. Hey, we got, we got a father who wants to bless you. That's why James says in James 1, 17, every good and perfect gift. Where's it come from? Every good and perfect gift comes from your Father in heaven, who is the creator of all the lights of heaven. I love that. Has anything good happened to you? Somebody tell me, has anything good happened? Testimony time. Anybody hand up if anything's good happened in your life. All right. That's come from God. You got a Father that loves to bless you. Second thing that, uh, that I want you to understand here is that if you are in Christ, God's given you all that you need. If you are in Christ, God's given you all that you need. If you're in Christ, God's given you all that you need. Underline uh, this phrase, look at it again. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing. Now underline that phrase, every spiritual blessing. What does that mean? Well, you know, um, a lot of times when people talk about God's blessing, they talk about it in terms of material things, right? Well, I, I was blessed by God, man. I, I, we got us a new house. Man, we, we're God's blessing. We might even tie, name our house blessing from God, you know, because uh, it's, it's a blessing from God. It's a new house. Or a man, man, I got a, I got a new car and I got 0% interest and no money down for 36 months. And I, I got this, man, I got this car, man. It's just God is just blessing me. So I got a pay raise, man. And God has blessed me so much, man. He just pours out his blessing. I got this pay raise and all that kind of great thing. I got this, I got that. God's blessing me. And listen, I just said every good thing comes from God, right? So that is, in a sense, the blessing of God. But that is not at all really the substantial blessings of God. That's what I kind of call the low-hanging fruit of God's blessing. I mean, sometimes he just gives us stuff because he just loves us and he just wants us to have it. And he's taking care of us. But there's more substantial things. Why is that the low-hanging fruit? Because it's temporary. You know, there's some people out today that want to talk about the blessings of God as solely material things. This whole prosperity gospel is about that. Hey, man, if you walk with God, that God's going to bless you with all this money and bogeyness, blah, 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 blah. All the things that are basically taking you away from God, they want you to say God's going to give that to you. And that, that, is, that is far, far from the gospel truth. Listen, what, 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 what he is talking about here is not necessarily material things, but with every spiritual blessing. See, the material blessings of God are great, but they're temporary. That house, it's going to need a new water heater, you know, and then, and then your air condition is going to go out. Amen. If that's happened to you, just happened to me this week. Uh, you know, that car, somebody's going to ding it in, in the mall parking lot, you know, or, or your teenager's going to take it when you aren't supposed to and wreck it. You know, that, 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 that big bonus you got, uh, it's gone pretty much. Taxes take a big chunk and then your kids take the rest. I mean, you're, you're left with like $10. 
We're like, what happened? You know? I mean, it's just, it just goes, right? It's just, it's so temporary. If that's all the blessing of God is, that's kind of cheap, right? But, but here he says, no, blessed be the God and Father, our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing. Now that's the good stuff. That's the stuff that can't be taken from you. You say, well, Craig, what, what, is the, what is every spiritual blessing? Well, let me just, let me lay this out for you. Everything that you need to walk with God was given to you the moment you were saved. The moment you were saved, you received everything you need, bundled up, given to you at that moment, all that you need to walk with God and know him. Second Peter chapter one, verse three, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We have received it all by this, by coming to know him. See, every, well, the moment you were saved, you didn't need to get it somewhere down, down the line. You didn't need a second blessing to get it. You didn't need something else. No, no. All that you received uh, uh, at the moment of salvation is all that you need to know God and to walk with him and to follow him. God's given you in that moment every spiritual blessing. You were given everything you need to know and follow him. Think about it. You received the Holy Spirit at the moment you were saved. You received God's favor at the moment you were saved. You received God's strength at the moment you were saved. You received God's peace the moment you were saved. You received God's grace and God's wisdom the moment you were saved. You received God's hope and God's love and God's joy and God's patience the moment you were saved. You received God, all of God's goodness the, the moment you were saved. The list could go on and on and on. Now, many Christians somehow uh, get into a habit of asking God for stuff he's already given them. We, we start asking God to give us stuff that he's like, uh, I've already given that to you. You received that the moment you were saved as a blessed child of mine. We'll pray, uh, we'll say, uh, Lord, give me strength when he says in Romans 8, you are more than a conqueror uh, through him who loves us. We'll say, Lord, uh, give me wisdom. And he'll say in 1 Corinthians 2, you have the mind of Christ already. We'll say, Lord, uh, lead me. And he says that I will instruct you and lead you in the way you should go. I will counsel you and watch over you. He says, Lord, Lord, uh, uh, don't, uh, be with me. Many times we pray, Lord, be with me. And he says, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. We pray, Lord, give me peace for this situation. He says, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives. Don't let your heart be troubled. Don't be afraid. See, all these things that we ask for, God's already given it to you at Christ. He's blessed you with every spiritual blessing. You don't have to ask for it. Just receive it. It's already yours. It's already, hey, it's already in your account. All right. Just got to draw it down. It's already there. God's already given it to you. So instead of saying, Lord, be with me, say, Lord, thank you so much that you promised to be with me and you'll never leave me. Instead of giving me wisdom, God, thank you that you give me the mind of Christ. Now keep my eyes on you. He said, Lord, give me strength for today. Say, Lord, thank you that you've given me all the strength that I need, and I am more than a conqueror through Christ. You see the difference in that? One is a needy begging position. One is walking in what I've already received as a blessed child of God. It's yours because you're blessed in Christ. And by the way, the blessing is not just what you receive from God. It's also who you are. All the way through the rest of this chapter, he's going to talk about you are chosen. You are adopted. You are forgiven. You are redeemed. You are sealed. You are secure. All these things, you are in Jesus Christ. He's given you everything that you need. You know, that's, this is the good stuff. This is every spiritual blessing. That's what nobody can take away. Let me just remind you something. The Apostle Paul is writing this verse 
Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus, who blessed us in the heaven, with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. You know where he was when he wrote that? He wasn't in his posh Manhattan apartment. Right? He wasn't strolling with his new uh, SUV. He was uh, in prison. He had everything taken from him. There was a Paul, man, you've lost everything. No, I've gained it all. Paul, the world's taken it all from you. No, it hasn't. It hasn't taken one thing from me that really matters. See, the world cannot strip you of the blessings of God. The world cannot do it. The world can take your job, take your health, take your life, but it cannot take away the blessings of God that are yours in Christ Jesus. You just take them all with you to heaven uh, when you go on. Isn't that great? Listen, if you put your worth in these tangible things, then you will feel like your worth is over when you don't have them. But if you put your worth in who you are in Christ, that will never, ever, ever change. You are blessed if you're in Christ. You are favored if you're in Christ. That's why when the angel showed up to Mary, remember when he's going to announce the birth of Jesus, he said, hail Mary, favored one. She's looking around like, who are you talking about? He said, I'm talking about you because you're favored. You know what? He would say the same thing to you. Hey, Jim, favored one. Hey, Sarah, favored one. Hey, Brooke, favored one. Hey, Charlie, favored one. That's how God sees you, because you're blessed by him. You're blessed. You have a father that wants to give it. He's given you every spiritual blessing in Christ that you'll ever need. And let me just give you one last little thing, one last little thought. Your blessed position can never be taken from you. I love this. Can never, ever, ever be taken from you. Look, he says, he has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. What does that mean, in the heavenly places? Well, the heavenly places uh, can be translated in the heavenly realms. You might see that translated different ways in your Bible. Uh, we think of what is reality is what we can taste, touch, feel, uh, hear, uh, our, our senses. This is, this is reality, right? This is a real world. This is a real world, real world. But, but actually, the Bible says, no, no, uh, there's a much real, realer world. All right, that's not right. Uh, help, somebody help me. There, there's a world that's more real. How about that? English majors. But, oh, more real. And that is, that, that, is the, that is the world that is spiritual. The, see, the Bible says that there is a spiritual world, and here's God in heaven on his throne, and there's a, there are the saints around that we will go be, be with one day, and there's the activity of angels, and there is this spiritual realm that's happening. He says over five times in Ephesians about this spirit realm, and he talks about it. It even is a place where there are spiritual battles going on right now, even around us, man, spiritual battles, spiritual realities. And he says, in that place, you have, it has been stated, it has been written down, it has been nailed down, that you are a blessed one. That you are a blessed one. Now listen, I don't know how this is going to play out in heaven. We will find out when we get there. But I have to think that angels know they're not blessed like you are. You understand that? They're just created beings. They're not blessed. They've not been redeemed. They've not been forgiven. They've not been blessed as a son or a daughter. No, no, no. You're way above them. And I just have to think that when we get to heaven, angels are going to be looking around. They're going to see you and go, oh, there's one of those blessed ones. There's one of those blessed ones, those favored ones. One of those ones that Jesus died for. One of those ones that God redeemed. That's one of the favored sons and daughters. That's the one. That's who they are. That is established in heaven, in the heavenly realms, and that will never change. 
Nothing in this life can ever change the fact that you are blessed. You have a Father that longs to bless you, that has given you everything in Christ, and it will never change. It is written in heaven. You can't earn it. You can't deserve it. You can't work for it. It is yours as his daughter. It is yours as his son because you're in Christ. The tragedy of Marilyn Monroe is that she didn't know who she was. She thought all her identity was in her looks. But as the looks began to fade, she didn't feel like life was worth living. She didn't know who her heavenly father was who longed to pour out his blessings on her. She lived grasping for the low-hanging fruit of material things, but it never satisfied her on the inside. What a tragedy. Are you doing that? Looking for maybe this promotion will make me feel important. Maybe this raise will help me. Maybe if I could get into that relationship, if I could be dating, if I could get married, if I could have children, then maybe I would feel favored, I would feel accepted. The truth of the matter is if you are in Christ, you are blessed, you are favored. You're his daughter and his son and nothing can ever, ever change that 